Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? This is David, a.k.a. Reverse Long with the Friendly Bear Podcast. Today, I have Elias Hanan, uh, who I met at the BSV conference in Dubai uh, last month. And uh, it was a great conference. Got to connect with a lot of like-minded and smart people in the crypto space. And you know me, I'm, I'm always up to network and go travel and, uh, and educate myself further on crypto. Because like I trade stocks. And I'm caught up with that all the time, full time. But like, I still don't want to get left behind on what's going on with crypto. And um, Elias has written a couple of books. He's a very, very smart person in this space, and some and like someone I, I like to like listen to. As far as as you can see, like with my last podcast, I had um, someone I met at the Bitcoin conference as well, talking about how he, about smart Bitcoin smart contracts. So this is something I never thought I'd be getting deep into, but like, I don't want to get left behind. And I keep always remembering how like, like my parents, like in 1999, when I tried to explain like the cell phone to them or the internet and like, they were completely, I don't, you know, left behind, you know? So, uh, by the time they got into all that stuff, it was, it was too late. The ship has sailed now. It's just, <laughs> so I, I, I want to keep my, my ears on the ground and, and be aware. So this time around, uh, I, I I can make my own decisions uh, as things progress, but here we are, Elias. How's it going? It's great. Great. Okay. I'm yeah. uh, joining you. Joining you here from Finland today. It's very Finland. Clean and the sun doesn't actually set. We have twenty four hours wait. of sunlight. Just about. Wait. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I mean, I've I've heard about it in the movies. I think there's a <laughs> this movie Al Pacino, uh, where he has insomnia. I don't know. Anyway. But uh, so, twenty four hours, no sun, no no, no nighttime. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this time, of, like this week, we probably get like maybe a, maybe an hour of kind of dark twilight, but it doesn't actually. Oh my get god! So what time is it there right now? Right over here in LA, it's five thirty a.m. Yeah, I'm at uh, three thirty p.m. So it's you know it's going to be like this at ten p.m. and it was like this at three a.m. as well. Interesting, interesting. I could have a whole podcast just on that alone. Like, how do you manage? But uh, <laughs> okay. So anyway, we met at the Bitcoin conference in Dubai. Um, what did you think? Of, first of all, uh, what did you think of the, the conference, the BSV, and the whole? I don't know if you were there for Satoshi Nakamoto, aka Dr. Craig Wright, and all, and having it, to hear him talk and and all that. Were you there for that? No, I wasn't. Um, and and I mean. Frankly, I, I don't know if I have uh, what my opinion really is of the whole, you know, of these claims. I mean, I've investigated quite, you know, quite a lot of who Satoshi might be. And, you know, personally, I I don't necessarily buy some of these claims that are being made. Um, 
beyond that, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of walked into the conference because I'm, I'm spending most of my time in Dubai now and there's, you know, maybe 10 conferences a month sometimes. So I try yeah. to hit all of them up, but it was, I mean, it's, it's not the content for me. It's, it's always the people I meet and I, I yeah, to meet absolutely. In the absolutely. You know, it's just interesting to, for me as an outsider to take uh, all everything I like, I haven't, I, I didn't know much what's going on with Satoshi and, Dr. Craig right until I got there and you kind of meet him and you talk to other people that are incredibly smart. And then I'm talking to you, 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 you really like you've written these books and you have like, you have a, a PhD in this. So like, uh, it's, it's just well, interesting not, to take um, everything. Yeah. I mean, a master, a master's, a master's. Clarify, okay, but, sorry. Uh, I'm going to be working on that soon. Okay, cool. And then you're doing like stuff with the metaverse and everything. So it's just interesting to get everyone's take and then figure it out for myself. Hopefully, uh, where I stand after getting myself really educated. But um, anyway, so I wanted to get get talk about okay. So your two books you wrote the Encyclopedia of Physical Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies, and another one on Blockland Bitcoin. That's right. Blockchain, and these these are. Okay, so what what brought you to to write these books in the first place? Yeah, that's it's an interesting story, and and I think it fits well with this podcast. Um, on my 18th birthday, when I turned 18, you know, a lot of people go to the bar or or whatever, but and I think I did as well. But the more important thing that I did is I opened up my stock trading account. That was the important thing for me, and uh, started trading stocks, and. Uh, you know, I did pretty well. I got some scholarships in my first year of university. I invested all that, tripled my money in a couple of months, and I got into options, and then I lost all of it, as you do. And around that time, I came across Bitcoin. And uh, I bought my first Bitcoins in 2013. I want to say it was maybe even February 2013. And at the time, I was you know, I was eighteen. I was an art student, political science, and all the discourse that was happening on these uh, Bitcoin uh, sub forums and and you know chat rooms was extremely complex. It was you know as far as I was concerned, we were talking in code, like computer code, which I didn't understand, and it was difficult to get into. And I was you know I wanted to buy some. I wanted to be part of it. But I didn't really know how, and more importantly, I was afraid that I was going to lose my private funds, which eventually I did for the first Bitcoins that I bought. But what I did was I found these physical Bitcoins, and they were originally created as, as these kind of gimmicks, as artistic educational pieces where you had a, you know, a brass coin that said one Bitcoin, you know, one BTC on the one side. And then when you turn it around, there was a sticker. You could peel that sticker, and underneath that sticker, you could, you know, you had the private key, uh, kind of secured underneath this security sticker. So you could have this physical item that functioned as a paper wallet. And for me, it was just a way to store it safely. But initially, I then started buying more of them, trading them, collecting them, writing about them, and what I saw in these, because at this point there were several manufacturers creating these physical coins as you know as art art as as curiosities and i found that the symbols was very interesting people were putting in uh symbols 
of Bitcoin. You know, you had thugs, you had burning banks, you had all these kinds of, you know, an imagery just of coins. I mean, you look at money or currency, it always has imagery around that culture, the values of that culture, and also what money represents in that culture. So I wrote the Encyclopedia of Physical Bitcoins to be kind of like a window into the, an anthropological window into this early first couple of years of the blockchain movement. Uh, so that was, that was important to me, and that came out in 2016. And then through that, of course, I made a lot of contacts in the industry. And then from there, I uh, founded my first company, Token Valley, and we started doing ICO consulting all over the world. And ICOs, if you don't know, are initial coin offerings, which was something like an IPO in the blockchain space where people were looking to raise money by creating tokens. So I kind of, I was in the middle of that storm of crypto. And, and later on, once that ICO craze died down, I, I felt that I had kind of really witnessed something very special in history. And I took a year or two years off to write Blockland. And the idea of Blockland is to really bring together and explain this whole movement, this whole blockchain ideology and movement and technology from every different facet. And, and what I also found was that it's such a varied space. It's very ideological. Some people, you know, you, you were at the conference, you know, they have, they, that was BSV and they think a certain way. Then there's another conference that thinks it's another way. And I really tried to bring it all together without ideology. Um, to serve as a bit of a history and as a textbook of the first decade. So that's the very brief story so far. So the first decade, so you've been in this for 10 years. So you've seen the whole thing shift and transform and evolve. And I know, for example, I've, I got introduced to Bitcoin, actually, when I, I used to be a, a, a private tutor uh, for middle school, high school, college, uh during the middle of the whole Bitcoin boom of like 2016, I think. And uh, all these high school kids were using their parents' accounts to buy Bitcoin and all that. And I think that was the ICO craze as well. But it's interesting to look at this in, in hindsight. But and you were in the middle of all this, like writing books and doing serious work. So how was it? Were you, were you like invested in Bitcoin? Or did you have any like skin in the game? you know, would you say, or were you always like, uh, you know, trying to understand it and trying to like piece it together from, from like an, an academic point of view or, or just, you know, like, like that, or just trying to, you know, see what the whole story is and see what it's up to that. Yeah. You couldn't expand. That. I think it's, I think it's very hard to understand what's going on if you don't have skin in the game. Now, but but it's it's a balancing act because a lot of people that have a lot of skin in the game or or I, or I should say that have all their skin in one specific thing let's say whether it's just Bitcoin or whether it's just Ethereum or or BSV or what have you that also usually blinds them and and it causes them to uh, become ideologues and it because it causes them to not see you know when the initial, when the bear market is coming when you know, because I agree. You start to believe that you're right. So, yeah. I mean, of course, I, I would say I'm a 
I mean, 90% of my net worth until recently was, was in crypto and had been for years and years and years. So yes, I'm, I'm very much a believer, but, and even myself, I found that I've seen many of these, uh, we could call them bubbles or, or waves, um, cycles. And, and with, with the crypto space, it's been so far actually surprisingly active for your cycle where you have, you know, one year of insane bull market that is unbelievable. And then you pretty much have more or less three years of depression. Uh, and, I, and I would, it appears now that we're in the first year of that uh, downward trend. I don't know if that's going to repeat or not. But again, going through that several times, you get a little bit better, you get a little bit more humble. And I think that humility is extremely important, not just to be successful in trading, but also in actually explaining what's going on to others in a non-biased Absolutely. Um, did you, when you wrote your books, uh, did you ever cover like um, 1999 of like the right, the internet versus, because right now we have web three, like the new version of the internet. And actually someone the other yeah. day showed me that someone that's into crypto heavily was showing me that he's, this person's buying up like um, Ethereum domains. And I'm thinking to myself, um, wow, like when I was educating myself on like stock trading, we were looking at case studies in 1999 and people were buying up uh, do internet domains and then a press release would come out saying, hey, our laundry company bought laundrymat.com and the stock would soar. And now people are buying Ethereum domains. Nothing is, I mean, I haven't seen a crazy movement towards that, but like when he told me that, I'm like, wow, this is 1999 literally all over again. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's, they say there's nothing new under the sun. These things repeat, you know, once a generation or every couple generations in just different forms. And, uh, on one hand, I think people are very short-sighted and they kind of look for patterns early on. You know, when Bitcoin was going to a thousand dollars, people thought it was going to be the new dot-com and it, okay, maybe, but you need maybe two or three or four more cycles. Um, the dot com bubble. I mean, I, I was it until two thousand one. I mean, it was massive. It was. If I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I recall, it was somewhere around twelve trillion dollars. And uh, that's actually part of my theorizing that I that I've you know written about, at, you know, as a response to others who have said the same, is that you know how big is the crypto bubble going to be? And, and I do use the word bubble and stuff like that necessarily. But I mean, right now, the whole of crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the altcoins, even the stable coins is less than $1 trillion. And I, and I meant to say trillion, not billion, um, which is, you know, again, in the big picture, trillion dollars is nothing. Uh, if the dot-com bubble was 10 or $15 trillion, then that would suggest that if the crypto bubble or boom was going to mirror the dot com boom at a time when you know we're not even counting for inflation, not counting for the fact that there's more wealth in the world and more money going around. I think it would be foolish to to suspect that the whole of crypto wouldn't come to rival that, you know, 20, 25, 30 years later. So on that logic, I, I do see it repeating. And I 
you know, yes. and I may be making price estimates here, but but I I think you see where I'm going. I mean, it just seems natural, uh, especially with something new and like there's it's like the like here in California, they used to call it the Wild West. Crypto is like the Wild West. It was like no no rules. Like with stocks, I got there's like a lot of rules. In fact, there's a lot of weird rules that really I don't know. It's really sketchy rules sometimes, but like there's rules and crypto is a new thing. They there is almost no rules, you know, so. Um, you have a lot of tokens that popped up. Anybody can make a token. And all of a sudden, you, it's fl- the whole market of crypto is flooded with a lot of tokens that don't belong there. Just like in 1999, you had a lot of um, stocks that their prices went insane and they weren't doing much. They were just very speculative. Like everyone was trying, like a lot of companies would say they would do something like Microsoft or they would do something with the internet and they would go crazy. But then at the end, the only ones that succeeded are a very handful, you know, Amazon and, and like a few others. Um, but uh, everything else got flushed out. And, I, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's uh, the volatility of the markets. is kind of rough human nature. We're going to have emotions toward, toward, throughout the whole markets but overall, it's it's um if if you're inve- the way I see it, if you're invested in it for the right reason and you got you got you know and you do your a lot of research, um, this is the way the world is gonna gonna go. You know the whole Web three and uh, and that technology. It just seems like the way and we you know you you you've written about the metaverse and you you uh have a degree I think in the metaverse, one of the first degrees that I've heard of. And like that is is it's inevitable one way or another, you know. Uh, when I when I heard like Gucci has a metaverse store and you can it knows your sizes, you can go in the Gucci metaverse store and try on clothes and come back and like not leave your place and have like the Gucci ship it out to you to your front door, the product that you tried on in the metaverse. I mean that just it makes sense, or like when a realtor. Uh, instead of going through, you know, here in the United States, when you buy realty, real estate property, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of notary and a lot of middlemen. NFTs kind of negate that. Now now you got an NFT. And then all this revolves around the blockchain and crypto. And, uh, you know, it's just, and then like, you know, like right now, check this out. I got this whole computer right here. And I got five different, people I'm talking to. I got three different chat rooms. I got the Zoom call. I got Amazon over here with your books. This is like my metaverse. Like I'm I'm not even doing anything. I, this is, I'm inside this world right here. This is like, you know, and this is web three and all that is going to pull me in a little further deep into it <laughs> to be more efficient, you know? So yeah. this is, uh you know, the, the direction the world is going in. And, um, you know, I, I think, it's you know you got to sometimes you got to stay the course, not over leverage yourself. I, I I have I don't really have any really big positions in Bitcoin or crypto, but for those out there, you know it's, I, that's the way I see it. It's like if you can, you know, go. It's like taking a ship across the ocean. You got to ride the way. <laughs> you got to prepare for the journey, you know. So, um, but overall, I, I you know I, this is I saw like they're coming up with like a Web three phones now or something, you know. So. 
yeah, it's, it's it's just insane. So like, I'm I'm so glad I I, I got the opportunity like, to go to Dubai and like take it, you know, take my knowledge about all this stuff a little further. Because then when you have conversations like with you or with others, your imagination starts spinning, and you can start relating it to like the future. Like, oh, I see this. I see how this relates. How this works. Now it's, it doesn't sound like a bunch of um crazy theories. You know what I mean? But um. With with that, okay. So with your books, um, how do you go about? Because I I haven't read your books yet, but you know they they sound. I'm I'm gonna order them and check it out. Especially if I talk to the author, I gotta check it out. So um, how did you go about organizing it to explain it? Very you know very clear because what I got out of the, the brief uh, research on your books is that they're easy to understand. Well, I'm glad you came to that conclusion. Um, I guess I'll just go back to your earlier point of the Wild West and, and how, you know, that was described. And, and I totally agree with that. And the book really uh, has that kind of ongoing theme and the actual, the, the, the way it's structured, it's structured kind of like a mythology. And the idea is that there's this kind of uh, narrative, which it follows, uh, which is descriptive, where there's this idea of Lockland. Lockland is, is described as this kind of, uh, new world, almost like a, you know, you could think of it as as North America. You could think of it as some island that is being colonized, where you have the first adventurers who find it and you know build a city, and then you have other people that come and then they have political disagreements. The city splits in half, you know, like like Bitcoin, you know, fork it two, and then you have these kind of you know warring ideologies that compete for for block land and you know create new territory there and then every couple of years there's new settlers coming in and you know as they as the new and larger amounts of settlers come in maybe they have different conceptions of what it is and what it means and maybe these kind of early settlers are maybe even sidelined and the ideologies and, and thoughts that they might have had at some point so it kind of follows this historical flow where and, and it's titled yeah, Blockland 21 Stories of Bitcoin, Blockchain, and Cryptocurrency. And that's 21 because there's 21 million Bitcoins in total ever. So it's a symbolic number. And each chapter is uh, a different part of the story. So if I recall, the first chapter is, uh, talks about encryption and it talks about the, the roots of Bitcoin, where Bitcoin came from ideologically created it. Uh, for what we know of that, and we look, we have a chapter about mining. We have a chapter about, and that later stage of the mining story as the technology improved. Then we have, you know, chapters about the first altcoins that we call them Litecoin, uh, uh, for example, Ethereum. And then, as as we have kind of a crypto winter, we had several new alternative currencies come about, and it lists those and talks about each of them in a way that ties together the technological progress and the different innovations that were happening as these new, uh, again, in the rhetoric of that book, they're kind of discussed as cities. You know, you have a new city or country being formed in Blockland, a certain uh, experimental ideology or view that's being engineered differently and how it all functions together. So this is the, the flow. And then towards the end, we go into some philosophical debates that exist in the industry 
we look at um, how governments and international organizations have uh, reacted in different countries, you know, from the beginning and, and how it's going now and so on. So that, that's the flow of it. And, and I think it's very logical. It reads kind of like a storybook, but in a very, you know, you, you get the points, you get the concepts. It's not a boring technical. Gotcha. Um, so, wait, I, I think I lost you there for a second. Can you say something real quick? Let me check, check the mic. Oh, yeah. Oh, there yeah. we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. But, um, wow, great. So, okay, so it reads like a story and like, you're going over, are you going ev over everything? Like crypto, metaverse, blockchain, you're just tying it all together like a story. Yeah. And you're yeah. seeing... All, all of it. Yeah. I mean, the metaverse and NFTs, I published this in... It, over a year ago now so again nfts and the metaverse is quite new it's it's all mentioned there and it's made clear that this is the way it's going and if there were to be a new edition or additional chapters uh eventually it's going to be appropriate to tell those stories and then again back to the wild west idea um in 2017 it was the ico craze people were creating tokens to raise money for companies just like in the if.com bubble and then most of that crashed because few survived. And what we've seen now in the past year is the same thing, but with another another name, and it's been NFTs. Uh, uh, NFTs, okay. and then also some uh, you know blockchain games. But what what used to be you know companies raising money with basically fake IPOs to say it bluntly, which is what I was doing myself as well at the time. Uh, now it's raising money through digital art. Where it's less less company centric and more artist centric, but it's been the same thing. I think we've had we've had pictures of Bunky selling for minimum five hundred thousand dollars out of a collection, ten thousand. Insane, and it's it's been insane. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.